Life's going to rain. We're going to have lots of emotions. There's going to be a lot of rain, but we can drown in it or we can have an umbrella. And that ability and strength to weather those emotions is what unicorn space activities, connections, curiosities, these completions, this framework will bring you. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome back to the podcast for season three. I am so thrilled that you clicked listen. Here's what I know about being a podcast listener. You are going to be selective with your time. Your time is valuable. So I want to start first by saying thank you to you for clicking and listening in, for sharing the podcast, for writing your reviews and being part of this journey and community with me. I have a great season ahead. As I've been recording season three, there is this key theme that keeps showing up for me, and that is, how do we abandon ourselves? How do we give up parts of ourselves for others, in service of others, or to protect ourselves from feeling uncomfortable or from feeling any kind of pain, rejection, or difficult emotion? I'm going to encourage you to continue to keep this question in mind as we go through season three. What am I doing to abandon myself, my true self today? And if I were to choose me to take responsibility for me and my well-being, what would I choose to do differently? I am so thrilled to be launching this season with New York Times bestselling author Eve Rotsky. We previously sat together to talk about her first book, Fair Play, on season two, episode 19. And today we are talking all about the unicorn space and her new book. Eve is an expert in family mediation and organizational management, and she's the author of New York Times bestselling book, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space. In Fair Play, she uses her Harvard Law School training and years of organizational management experience to create a life management system to help couples both rebalance all of the work it takes to run a home and reimagine their relationship time and purpose. Eve is working to change society one partnership at a time by coming up with a 21st century solution to an age old problem, women shouldering the brunt of child rearing and domestic life responsibilities, regardless of whether they work outside the home. Let's go into our episode today. Eve, you wrote Fair Play, this super important book that we all needed. I remember reading it and thinking, that this is a system that I have not thought of in my clinical practice. And I absolutely loved our last chat together and the system to help address that mass inequality that exists in between in the home between men and women in hetero cisgender relationships. And in that book, you alluded to something so important, which was the unicorn space. And now I get to sit with you today talking about your second book called Find Your Unicorn Space. I have to like just step back even just from that and start from the space of just how burnt out women are. 
Tracy, I, 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 I always said I wanted to come back for a round two. So, so here so we are. We get to do this, uh, especially in this real inflection point, I think, in terms of resilience, burnout, identity. And I've been thinking about these things, obviously, before the pandemic. Unicorn space is a concept in fair play. It's a card in the hundred cards that you have to deal yourself, even if you don't want to. Why this became an entire book was because we started to follow couples during the pandemic. And the number one thing we were hearing from people was that they were drowning. And then we started to really unpack that early in the pandemic. And I couldn't leave it alone. I kept saying, you know, I need to unpack this in a bigger way. And then I write about sort of assembling this uni, this what I call a uni coalition of women saying, what's happening to you in the pandemic? Are you also drowning? The two words that were most associated, and I'm sure you see them in your practice too, is with, with drowning was the underlying word cloud that kept coming bubbling up was two words that I find a very deadly combination. And that was overwhelm and boredom, almost like literally drowning in the mundane. Yes. Uh, And we know that. We know that if your kids were home and you had to do any sort of watching of toddlers or teenagers or homeschooling them, trying to ensure that they were on, you know, not watching the 17th hour of the most bizarre TikTok and you're like, what the hell are you watching? You know, if you wanted to do anything just above neglect, even that was hard. If you were somebody who also had to produce income generation, you know, for your family structure. So understanding how and why, and to say, look, you know, I really want to unpack mental health right now from a ethnography perspective, from a sociology perspective, from an outsider. As you know, I love mental health clinicians. Mm -hmm. I follow your work extremely closely, but it was really understanding, you know, these inhibitors to people's mental and physical health during the pandemic that produced an entire new book called Find Your Unicorn Space. Yeah, which really was that that sense of every day is on repeat. And what I was seeing clinically was the two divides in in couples with children. And some, they felt that they stopped everything and they felt this sense of connection and slowness, which is what they needed because they were already on that road of overwhelm and burnout from taking the kids to hockey and ringette three times a week and soccer and piano and ballet and all of the things, right? So they, they felt that sense of connection and slowness. But then the other kind of that divide were the couples who were really struggling in feeling close and connected, trying to balance what it meant to, um, you know, if I'm thinking of what we talked about last time, but who was responding to the toddler knocking at the door saying, mom, mommy, I can't, right? Who was doing that? 100%. That was, I think, you know, that's why I think a lot about space. So, you know, for me, the word space is really important because from, you know, 100 years ago when Virginia Woolf said uh, women need a room of one's own, uh, we don't have a room of one's own, you know, whether Mm -hmm. that means the metaphysical, the physical, uh, the mental space to be Shakespeare. What does that mean for us? What does that mean when our cognitive labor, which you and I talked about in, in episode one, our prequel of your podcast, um, the cognitive labor, the one who's noticing the mustard is running low and that your second son, Johnny, needs that mustard. But it's um, only the protein. Dijon. It's only the it's honey only the, Dijon. Right, only, right. Not spicy Dijon. No. Just, I want the yellow. I want the <laughs> yellow. But understanding that that loss of accountability and trust um, was manifesting in space, meaning mm-hmm. 
There were assumptions about who was taking up space in the home. My partner gets the good space. I'm in a bathtub with a laptop on my lap. I can't take it anymore. Um, my space is being interrupted. Um, and we know on average in one time journal study, women were being interrupted every three minutes and 42 seconds, which is what I can absolutely relate to. And I talk about that even for someone like me who had put in years of practice in setting boundaries through fair play, having to reset those boundaries during a pandemic was very, very jarring and hard. But for me, the real thing about space that was so important, uh, Tracy, is to understand that it, it's completely correlated to our, our sustained attention is correlated to daily flourishing. And so why that was so important to me to write a whole book about this was understanding that burnout can no longer be solved by a walk around the block. Mm -hmm. It can't be solved by an occasional drink with a friend. Really the only antidote to burnout that we have as, as women or, or caretakers or people who feel they have no time and space is to become interested in our own lives again. And that's a harder, that's a harder sell. Mm -hmm. When I said to people, sorry, you know, my answer to you is not the walk around the block. It's <laughs> I want you to become interested in your own life again. You know, people's faces fell and said, Jesus, that feels like you're asking me to add something else at the, you know, I, the end of my never ending to-do list. But that that's idea was really important that this becoming interested in our own lives again, these creative pursuits, the sustained attention to things that make us come alive and that we love are actually probably the most important practices in this time of disruption. These creative practices linked to our daily flourishing. Uh -huh. And that's the opposite of the word the word of the year in 2021 from Adam Grant, shout out, is languishing. Languishing. So my, my yes. gift for everybody in 2022 is the opposite of that. In my mind, that's this daily flourishing. Oh, yes. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. 
For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me, and these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. And I know you talk about the, the piece that is so important that comes into the unicorn space, which is around flow, which is what yes. Adam Grant talks about is the antidote to languishing, is having that ability to get into a flow space with what it is that you're doing, right? And yes. the challenge though is when do you get time? When do you get to have that space to go into flow of whatever it is that fills you up. Yeah, and as much as I love Adam Grant and Cal Newport, who talks about deep work, uh, and Mihai Checks Mihai, who yes. wrote Flow, yeah. and he wrote a book called Creativity that I love, what all those three people have in common is that they're white men. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I have a, a, a colleague named Professor John Tishimowitz. Sorry if I mess up your name, John. 
He's at Harvard Business School, and he talks a lot about passion and purpose. And we had this great conversation because he was so confused about why when men are artists, in addition to being, you know, or chefs, in addition to their work or uh, golfers, why is it he wanted to know, and we were postulating that that's all they call themselves. Why is it that women are still saying their mothers first? And so this idea of compartmentalizing a flow state really is a, a monotasking activity that we know is really important for the brain, the opposite of the deadly multitasking, which to me was the most deadly thing we heard in the beginning of the 20th, yes. 21st century from 2020, 2000 to 2020, this uh, badge of honor for multitasking. I, I'm hoping that that's dead and buried. I hope that that is a byproduct of the, the pandemic that we forever retire very the idea that multitasking is a good thing. Yeah, and, and we know from the research, the research shows, and, and we often think this, we we have this belief that women are better at multitasking than men. And actually the research shows that's not true. And then also that multitasking is not more effective. It's actually hindering more. Going back to what you said about the, um, the identity piece, the other one that I, I've really heard about that stood out for me is I have, and I have said it myself, I'm a working mom, but does my partner ever say that he's a working dad? No, he will identify his career or his, you know, his role, his job. And it's not the working dad. And it's how we define Absolutely. ourselves and language matters, right? Language matters. And I will actually say that language matters so much that the reason Unicorn Space was a concept, Tracy, before the pandemic was really rooted in erasure uh, of, of women's identity. And there, what, what kept happening to me in the fair play research was this, what I call a passion gap. Mm. So it was the strangest thing. It's like, it almost gives me chills now because I think, and I'm not a sociologist, but sociologists call this a saturation point where you start getting the same data over and over again to the point where you can predict it. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm predicting, you know, I'm like, and you want to get there, right? That's a good thing to get there. You get there. And then, (laughs) and then my colleague, Pam Stone, who's an amazing sociologist, when I sat down with her with all my research for this book said, okay, Eve, um, I think you can stop interviewing now. One of the passion gap things that were, I was seeing was if we lost our connection to the things that make us come alive, when our children are in fourth grade, things start to manifest poorly based on that passion gap. So oh, fourth grade, eh? Interesting. Fourth grade. It kept so your child is nine years old. Yes, yes. Oh, and and here ten because a lot of people I think redshirt their kids for for sports. But it was almost like if you lost yourself for ten years, they, I have to warn you that bad things are coming ahead. And again, it's not to shame women to say you have to add this to your to do list. It's more to say society is going to gaslight you to believe that you're going Mm. to be happy forever in the service of your roles as a parent and or partner and or professional. By professional, I mean anybody who works for pay or in the home. And that's not going to sustain you. The the fuel in your car is going to run out on the side of the road by by your child entering fourth grade. And so this 10-year passion gap I became sort of the ghost of Christmas future that I I kept seeing it over and over again. Um, High rates of divorce in fourth grade, uh, high rates of people admitting affairs to me in fourth grade, uh, high rates of hedonistic behaviors um, like drinking, binge watching, Mm -hmm. um, things that didn't feel healthy to the partnership or to the person uh, kept happening over and over again. The other period of disruption is obviously right after uh, you have a child, but Mm -hmm. that felt more realistic to me because everything's in flux for your first year after a child 
comes into the world. But I was actually really shocked by this 10-year passion gap. And so what started to, I, what, what happened to me after understanding that, I started to really, you know, become obsessed with women and clinicians like you, Tracy, where I wanted to really understand uh, mental health, you know, what, what's happening here. And when I spoke to my colleague, Lisa Damore, who's uh, an amazing author and she focuses on adolescent health, but she really early on and sort of understanding this book you know, we really started to talk about her definition or or the definition of mental health that she prefers, especially when she's dealing with teens. Instead of this, you know, I wish you happiness and I just want my kids to be happy and I just want to be happy, which, you know, I don't know that it feels very overwhelming to hear that, especially as if you're a child and that's what your parents want from you. You're like, Hey, I'm that I have to be happy all the time. So it was really a relief to me when she said, you know, I look at mental health as having the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and the ability and strength to weather it. Mm. And then I started to understand what unicorn space was. Unicorn space was the ability and strength to weather it. Right. That, you know, life's going to rain. We're going to have lots of emotions. There's going to be a lot of rain, but we can drown in it or we can have an umbrella. And that ability and strength to weather those emotions is what unicorn space activities, connections, curiosities, these completions, this framework will bring you. It's the umbrella. The umbrella yeah. so that, yes, okay. Yeah. So the umbrella to help you then so that you're not, you're not getting drenched in the heaviness of life, in the overwhelm, in the burnout, in the to-do list. It's actually something that is a way to nurture yourself as a way to make sure that you don't get to when your kids are 10 years old. And then it's like, well, who am I? And I know you talk about this in your book, the piece around values, where we have so many different values inside of us, but what happens when we become and step into the mother role or even the parent roles, we lose feeding, nurturing, and watering, whatever image we want to use that specific values about ourselves. Yeah, that was really important piece to this because the beauty of a unicorn space is that it doesn't have to be all the time. But I will say that we can talk about values. I'll tell you this quick story of Kat Medina. She's this, there's actually another Kat Medina I heard about uh, that's an influencer. This is not that Kat Medina. <laughs> this is just an awesome regular person out there who um, was working at Sam's Club in the U.S. And um, her husband's an auto mechanic and she had a toddler. And she was telling me about one night when her husband came home from work and he hears her reading to her child in another room. And at first he's like, is that CD or a tape or a podcast? And then he walked in and he was like, wait, that was you? You know, you your voice is so beautiful when you read. You know, you sound like a character, like an actress. And, you know, you should do that. You should, you know, narrate audiobooks or whatever that is. And Kat, this woman, um, at her at Sam's Club, there was a microphone on clearance, and she got curious about what that would look like. What would it look like if I wanted to narrate an audiobook? So she like Googled, you know, how to narrate an audiobook. She does it on QuickTime Player. She saves her Princesses Behaving Badly sample. <laughs> she downloads it to a Dropbox and puts it on a website for a potential audition. And lo and behold, she gets a call that uh, an author has selected her as, as the narrator. And she tells me that she goes ahead and reads this book, you know, for this author. And soon after, she decided to tattoo on her arm, reading books is like breathing air. Hmm. And her mother said to her, well, why don't you hold your horses there? Like you've read like one book <laughs> like, and now you're tattooing this on my arm. But her response was, you know, this is an experience that can never be taken away from me. Hmm. And I kept hearing that over and over again. 
there was a woman, shout out to Renee, who's now in Antarctica, who was a stay-at-home mom at 56, and she was sick of being defined by her caretaking roles. And she said, I have a need for speed. And so she Googles, she got curious about what it would look like to race a car. Well, cut to, she's 67 now, and she's one of the top rally car racers in the world. Oh, cool. She's actually in Antarctica right now. Well, it doesn't have to be that big. Right. What she said is, you know, that experience of racing a car in Mexico, the first race she did, can never be taken away from me. Uh-huh. And other people died in that race. She said someone went over a ledge. Whoa. I go, you know, whatever. It was not, right. you know, easy. But she said that the, that experience, the rigor, the curiosity, uh, the framework of fair play. Mm. I mean, sorry, the framework of unicorn space. It was this combination, a practice of curiosity, sharing that curiosity with the world and then completing something, whether it's that race, you're crossing the finish line physically, literally, yeah. or metaphorically, like Kat uploading that first audiobook. It's amazing. That, that cycle is what we're talking about here. That's the umbrella. And that's tied to our values. That's the last thing I want to put back to. For Renee, her values were connecting with other cultures. Her values were raising money and raising awareness to child trafficking, you know, community mm. service. Um, her values were connecting with her daughter who became her manager and her ra- her race car navigator. So cool. um, Kat's values were storytelling, that there is change in being able to tell stories, um, to have fun, to allow people to escape. Escape was another value for her as a parent. So this connection to their values in this broader practice yeah. of curiosity, connection, and completion is, is a really beautiful thing. Those three C's, they're so important. It, and I want to tell you this because it's been such a, a big journey of my own as a mother. And I ha- I had a ski accident when I was in grade five. I fell off the chairlift. They didn't tell me to push off. And I was like, oh, okay, just jump off and face planted. Never skied again, but always dreamed to ski. And so after I had my second, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I'd like to ski, but I don't know. Okay, I will stay in the ski chalet. I'm nursing her and okay, it's not my turn right now. And then in early 2020, my husband did all of the research for me. He got he got the gear, he got the skis, the boots, the goggles, the helmet. He got it all. He booked the lessons, put my son in his own lessons, put me in my lesson. We have a rule in our relationship. We don't teach each other things. Well, that, that would be fair play. That would be yes. the ownership card. <laughs> he, he was, that would be the card of partner coach. He was being your yes. partner coach at that time. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and then part. I took ski lessons and I remember on, I was really struggling. It was my last lesson. And I think this really goes with the unicorn space piece as well of what you talk about in your book is that I felt, <clears throat> excuse me, I had a really big fall. I ended up having the blush um, afterwards, but we got up and I was okay. I got onto the chairlift and we're going for another run. And the instructor said, listen, Tracy, what you're doing is you're leaning back. You're leaning back because you're afraid. And so you need to stop leaning back. You need to lean forward. You need to lean into fear. I said to him right away, I'm like, okay, you're speaking my language. I get it. I have to lean into fear, lean into what doesn't feel good and bend my knees and go forward towards it. And it really helped me get to ski and we went skiing this morning. We dropped the kids off at school. We kind of took a play oh day God, together. Amazing. And it's just this, it's this moment where, and I had said to my husband, my mind is empty when I'm skiing. It's fantastic. And while we're doing it together, we're going down the hill on our own. And it's just for me. I'm not looking after anybody else. I get to play and be creative in terms of how I go down the hill. I get to be in my body. I am present. It is, and it's empowering. And it's something that I will never forget having taken this risk, leaning into fear and doing something in my life like this. Well, what I love about it is it's exactly that cycle that we're talking about. It was getting curious again, saying, I wonder if 
I could ski as an adult, even <laughs> if I get whiplash, you know, <laughs> can, can I not die? You know, can, I want to, I want to get curious. What would it look like? Uh, then you shared that intention with your wider world. And for yes. that, for you, it was sharing that intention. Your spiritual friend became your husband at that point. And I love to hear that because often it's not our partners, but I think, uh-huh. you know, I love the relationship you have with your partner from what I've heard of it, you know, through the <laughs> pandemic, you shared this intention with the world. You have a spiritual friend, your partner helps you outfit, gets you ready, finds you the lessons for your first foray. And then you complete something. Yes. Your completion was your first run. Didn't mean you weren't going to fall on your second run. It didn't mean you weren't going to fall on your third run. It still doesn't mean you're not going to fall again, but you're here, you're doing it. You're in a cycle again. And then I'm going to tell you, I will, I bet you what's going to happen is that your curiosity, connection, and completion will continue in that cycle where it may be, I'm curious what it looks like to go on a blue versus a, a green. I'm curious what it would look like to do a mogul. What would it look like if I had to, <laughs> to, to hop over a little hill? Um, then sharing that with a group, bigger group, maybe right. now you ski with friends as, as in addition to your instructor. And then you complete that next run. Those cycles, those are unicorn space cycles. Yes. Yes. That's so beautifully said. The the theme that kept coming up for me uh, reading your book as well was this idea of responsibility that in some ways, and, and I know this because there was a time in my relationship where, you know, I would just choose the comfort over discomfort. It was easier not to say anything. I didn't want to rock the boat. It was easier to say, oh no, I won't go do my thing. I won't make time for myself. But in some ways we have to take that responsibility for ourselves as well to say, okay, I am going to get uncomfortable because in the long run, this is going to be important to me. This is going to do something. The short term, uncomfortable is so hard. I hate being uncomfortable in the short term. And I always love asking myself that, what do I get out of this? In the Short term, I get comfort, but I don't get anything in the long run. Well, what it was just, I just started writing some notes down because for fair play, I talk a lot about um, if you don't have a unicorn space, if that's not fair, what happens is there's this rage and resentment cycle mm-hmm. where resentment, when you don't have like the teapot, can't let off that steam. It sort of just yes. boils over into rage, which has happened to me many, many times. Uh, let me just say that. And then it sort of goes back into the simmering resentment and then it boils over again into rage. But actually what I thought was really cool because I love my alliterations was that responsibility is another R. Mm. So, you know, I wonder when you use that word, if responsibility, right? Responsibility to say like, no one's going to care as much about putting my own ma- oxygen mask on as much as me. If the responsibility to yourself to say, this is not optional. hmm Unicorn space is not optional. Being unavailable for my roles is not optional. Then maybe that responsibility to yourself is how you you break the cycle of rage and resentment. Yes. And then the so, other piece so that's that my shows. new R. Your new R. I, I love Once it. Once I have a post-it, then I just, you, I add you to my wall. And, <laughs> and, and that piece there of the guilt and shame, right? That we can say, I don't have to wear this, you know, and that's something I talk about with a lot of my clients is that, you know, we're all given these narratives and I use the analogy of clothing, right here, here's this jacket. I got you. It's this fur coat. (laughs) And, you know, maybe you don't like fur, but it's been passed down generations and this is what your narrative is. And so you wear, and you're like, Oh, okay. And it's, it's this guilt and we can choose not to wear it anymore. We don't have to hold that so strongly. For me, that was an important piece to address 
because again, similar to fair play, I wish Tracy that I could put the cards, the fair play cards on a shelf next to cards against humanity and Uno and say, go for it, go make your structured decision-making <laughs> intervention for your home. It became a book because I realized it was a lot more complicated than that because of those fur coats that we wear. And then yes. when you become complicit in your own oppression, because you don't actually believe that you deserve a permission to be unavailable because your time is worthless, mm-hmm. like sand, and your partner's time is precious, like diamonds. And you believe that not because it's your fault. I'm making that very clear. It's, you believe it because you're wearing that fur coat because someone put it on you and they put it on with super glue and they said, you're going to keep this freaking coat on, even though you're sweating and you, the the smell of fur makes you want to throw up and you want nothing to do with the coat. So the only way to really unsuper glue ourselves from, like you said, these stories and narratives is to of course, ask for what we need and to start vocalizing it to others. But it doesn't really start until we change our internal compass and self-talk. You know, again, of course we still need, in America, we need universal paid leave, Yes, childcare. You know, there's a lot of things we need on a systemic level, but the agency we can take in our own life, like you said, is to say, I'm not wearing this fur coat anymore and I'm going to peel it off really, really slowly. One of those things to start doing that is, is our relationship with guilt and shame for, for, for sure. And I talk about my relationship with guilt and shame because, you know, I think it's important for us to recognize that guilt and shame probably had real coping mechanisms for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. It helped us make decisions that felt safe or or got us out of a certain situation. I, I am positive that the guilt I had over not doing my homework and being a good girl um, and getting straight A's was a lot of the reasons I was able to get an education that sort of got out me, got me out of my dysfunctional, <laughs> you know, working class, single parent household, um, you know, with a disabled brother, I'm still taking care of and all the obligations, obligations, obligations back to values. So it's so beautiful to say that one of the things we can do for ourselves is to look at that guilt and shame. You know, for me, I talk to it. I write about it in fair play. I mean, I write about it in unicorn space that I literally write it guilt and shame on a piece of origami paper and set that little piece of paper on fire Uh while talking to this burning piece of paper saying, (laughs) Um, thank you, guilt and shame for your role in my life, but I'm going to see what it feels like not to carry you around anymore to peel that, that coat off, like you said. And then Dr. Cheryl Gonzalez Ziegler, she wrote a great book called Mommy Burnout. She, for years, we've known each other. We had the same agent, um, been in the same circles, and she's been helping me with a guilt and shame reframe to understand that every time now I say I may, I feel guilty because I created a guilt and shame journal where I reframe it to I made the decision because. Hmm. And I have so many examples now. And I look back and I'm like, why was I feel gu- feeling guilty about that? Why did I even have to reframe that? <laughs> right. But the beauty is I would say everybody start a guilt and shame journal. It's such a beautiful way to look back on your decision-making. And it's so empowering to realize that we can say, instead of, I feel guilty that I'm not putting Anna to bed tonight. Mm-hmm. I made the decision not to put Anna to bed tonight mm. because I'm going to see my friends and I miss them. Right. Um, and it's also easier for your kids because it's a lot less complicated if you don't have ambivalent when you explain that decision to them. And you're walking at the door, of course. Oh, Anna, I feel so bad. I'm going to miss you. Mommy's going to miss you. Oh, yeah. Love you. Love you. You know, as opposed to, I love you. I'll see you in the morning. And um, I, I, I have my friends just like you have your friends. And isn't yes. that an amazing thing? Yes. I love, so one, one way I work with clients is through the reframing, the cognitive space. I also do a lot of acceptance 
and letting go acceptance and compassion and really bringing that kindness to ourselves, right? Of being able to say, what would I say to a friend? What would I offer to a friend in this moment when guilt shows up? Or being able to say, okay, I see you guilt, you know, come sit at the table with me, have a cup of tea with me. And I'm going to choose that you're just there. And maybe I put you in my pocket and I still go and do the thing that is really important to me because 10 out of 10 times we all show, show up afterwards being a better self, which means we are a better partner, which means we are a better parent when we come back, not letting guilt deter Absolutely. us. Also, what's interesting about guilt um, and many things for women, including the devaluing of our time and, um, and gender roles and fundamental sexism in our society is that all of these different systems um, and, and emotions that are tied up in these systems are really, if you think about it, they're decision-making tools mm-hmm. to, take a- to take agency away from us making our own decisions. And that's, and if you can look at it that way, that, hey, you know what? Today, I'm going to make my own decisions. And so anything that's going to get in your way of making your own decisions, whether it's guilt and shame, even last week, this happened where six different text chains, Tracy, came in, in the U.S. There was this day where you could order free COVID tests. This was last week. Bing, bing, bing. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I looked down and there's six different text chains saying, here's the link to order the free COVID test. And so instead of ordering the free COVID test, I just wrote back to all these text chains of women, uh, old carpool chains, uh, my nasty women political chain. I just wrote, (laughs) are men men receiving these links? Are men stopping what they're doing? So what just happened when I got the link is without thinking about it, just the conditioning was, oh, I got to get these test for my family. So if you can stop and intervene and say, there's an extrinsic input, there's an expectation that I'm going to do it from out of society, plus a a spin, uh, you know, a pinch of guilt Uh that is now affecting how I'm going to be using my next 15 to 20 minutes of my day. If that keeps happening to you over a lifetime, over 10 years, then we fundamentally get erased because all of our decision-making is now in the hands of other people, whether it's the free COVID test link, um, a school calling us to tell us our kid is sick or a pandemic. Summer camp. We are at the summer camp uh, text chains right now, which is definitely not something that crossed my partner's mind. Well, that's it. And again, so the structured decision-making of fair play to say, I want to make sure I have agency over how I use my week And so the assumptions that this unpaid labor is not going to fall on me is the first step. The second step is when you end up protecting your time, Uh knowing what to do with it and making sure that it's in service of you and what makes you come alive as opposed to organizing your junk drawer is why Unicorn Space became the sequel. Then the other piece too, Esther Perel talks about this in terms of intimacy is that in order to have desire and arousal in our relationship, we need to be first being intimate with ourselves, giving to ourselves. How many times do you go shopping and you're out having time on your own? And then you're like, oh, the clothes are on sale. I, well, I know my kids are going to need this for next season and that, oh, that's a good deal on that for the next season, right? Where's the intimacy with yourself when you're busy filling it up for everybody else in the family? So when you do have that time for you, making it for you, not in service of your family. I know you talk about that in Fair Play. It's so important. Yeah, it's, but also I think, you know, the 201 of, of that, you know, is understanding that that should be just the baseline. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about, you know, so many women said to me when I said, well, what makes you you or what do you do for yourself? It was always, you know, a version of commodified wellness. I get a manicure, so you have to pay for that. Or I take an exercise Damn. class, you know, to pay for that. Um, uh, but of course, like a, an exercise class, th- that should be the baseline. Um, a dinner with a friend should be the baseline. But the real things that we're talking about here, the things that are associated with the daily flourishing, those experiences that we're talking about that are, that make that made Cat Medina tattoo it on her arm, are these flow state experiences, like we said, these mm. unicorn spaces that we can occupy, and that is a practice that we're not as familiar with. Right. We, we we and one other thing that I think is an important statistic is most of us think we're going to be less busy in six months. Mm-hmm. So Tracy, you know, you might as well wait to do your ski lessons. <laughs> until, you know, 2023. And then you get to 2023 and you're like, wait a second, I have all this crap on my plate because I'm not any less busy than I thought I was going to be six months ago. So I think that's also important because a lot of us believe that somehow if we wait a little longer, the, the space will show itself and, 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 you know, it'll be like Moses parting the Red Sea. It doesn't work that way. Um, everything will conspire against us to, so protecting that space, um, that's a true boundary and most of us are not used to those, to that, to that boundary. To that boundary. I'm mindful of our time, Eve. So I want to just wrap up with one question. I have, I have so many more questions. We, I could talk so much Same, more. I love talking to you. I, and I just, I want to go into the, your hip hop experience and <laughs> all of that. They're talking about the book, but, but let's, let's make sure I hold space for our time together. Um, knowing that so many women struggle with this concept where should people start? What would be one thing? They're going to get the book. Where should they start? Well, this is where I think we should all start. I think if we can collectively next week, just one day next week, if we can all collectively write down what is the most important thing I will be doing today? I want one day next week of your seven days. What is the most important thing I will be doing today? I want it to be outside your roles as a parent and or partner and or professional. I'm learning a mogul that, you know, I will wish that for you or whatever your <laughs> next step is. Um, it is it is a hard thing to think about, but it is a very important practice to say to ourselves, the most important thing I will be doing today is actually in service of myself. Uh, and it's not related to my roles as a parent and or partner and or professional. So that's where I would start. I would start by making that collective movement to prioritize that question for yourself in advance, at least uh-huh. one, once a week. Uh-huh. And noticing the guilt, not having to listen to it or right. buy into it or wear the fur coat. We can leave it at home. What do you mean? The most important thing I'll do every day is take care of my kids, right? That, that's sort of what comes up with me, you know, for me, even still when I say it. Well, how could I say that, you know, not putting them to bed would be the most important thing I'll do for myself. But I mean, practically. Uh, when you use your time, uh, being able to say, wow, you know, I did something really, really important. Yes. Today. You know, I talked to editors about my new book. I learned a mogul. Um, I downloaded a language app. Uh, I baked a gluten-free pie uh, for people with celiac disease that tastes just <laughs> as great as a pie. I, I crossed the finish line in a race in Mexico. These are all real stories. Amazing. I created a cookie community for uh, my disabled neighbors for something sweet during the pandemic. 
there were so many examples of people doing these amazing things, these amazing, occupying these amazing unicorn spaces that um, become ultimately extremely profound if we do it uh, on a regular basis as a practice. I love that. Eve, thank you so much for joining me here. I will have all the links in the show notes that people can find you and such a privilege to sit with you again. Tracy, you're the best. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A key takeaway from this session with Eve is that we ultimately need to be taking responsibility. We can take responsibility for our thoughts and feelings and for, at times, maybe listening to them too closely. So many of us can relate to getting stuck in that pattern where our thoughts and feelings take over what is actually truly meaningful to us. When guilt shows up, we can choose not to listen to it, and we can still choose to make ourselves unavailable and to do the things that matter to us. We can take responsibility that at times, maybe we haven't continued to nurture ourselves in this season of life and that we can make a change. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you are looking to make a different choice in your relationship, join me in my online program, Be Connected. In this program, I teach you how to go from disconnected and overwhelmed to being able to communicate and build your connection. My program gives you 12 core lessons plus masterclasses with other experts focused on topics around improving you and your relationship to yourself and your relationship with your partner to help you learn the skills and tools that I teach my clients in my office every single day. There are also monthly Q&A sessions where I answer your questions, weekly emails to keep you on track with small exercises to build your connection, and so much more. Visit me at drtracyd.mykajabi.com forward slash join, or the link is in the show notes. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. Until next time, take good care of you and remember, you are right where you need to be. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.